Our sponsor this half hour is Bambi. If you're running a business right now, and I mean, I hate HR. When I hired my HR director, I said, I want you to know, I hate HR. You guys are the no police. So don't come to me with all this bull crap. Get that stuff done and then help us find the way to make this a great place to work. That's what we found. Now, it cost me a buttload of money because there was not Bambi. Bambi wasn't around. It was created specifically for small businesses so you can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for $99 a month. You, If you have a small business, you have to have HR. You have to. Bambi will help you do it for $99 a month. From onboarding to terminations, everything to fit your business. Go to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Glenn right now. Schedule your free HR audit, Bambi dot com slash Glenn. America, it's Thursday. Last night, the president gave finally uh, his kind of State of the Union, his plan for America. Uh, You know, it's only about 100 days late, but, you know, who's counting days? Oh, he is. Uh, But anyway, um, he's uh, coming in, and all I want you to know is I need you to think like, I think his name was Admiral Akbar. I need you to think like him. It's a trap! And I think everybody's analysis that I have heard on the uh, on the speech last night, very good, but they are missing a critical, critical point. It's a trap! I will explain in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So Diana wrote in, she said um, she wanted us to know about her experience with American financing. She said, I I worked with Cindy, who was amazing from beginning to end. She guided me through the entire process from getting qualified for a loan to the closing. She was attentive, always followed up regarding the the, uh, statutes of the loan, the documentation needed. She was prompt in returning phone calls and emails. Cindy was a team player, collaborated with my realtor. Uh, the the little company and the seller in order just to stay on track and on top. I can't thank you enough for recommending um, American Financing. I would 100 recommend uh, 100% recommend her and American Financing to anybody who is trying to buy a house. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, American Financing. When you pick up the phone and call American Financing, you're making a decision that will positively affect you, your family's life, and your budget. If you are looking to finance a house, to refi your loan, to consolidate a loan, please, these people do not work for the banks. They work for you. You can trust American Financing. Go to AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net. Or call them at 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 
It's a trap. Well, what the heck does that mean? What does that mean? Last night, if you watched Biden's speech and you knew what you were looking for, it was a carefully crafted speech. Uh, in some regards, a little schizophrenic. Um, we are we are a nation that, if I can quote, uh, has uh, uh, has had the plague uh, on America of systematic racism, and yet we're the greatest country in the world. I mean, the speechwriter. I I heard a, that he went to his psychiatrist the other day and said, you know. I'm hearing voices and his psychiatrist said, you don't have a psychiatrist. (laughs) So uh, it's a little schizophrenic, but it was only schizophrenic because they were saying the things that people want to hear and then saying the things they have to say to be able to have a complete storyline in the end. This is probably the most important speech a president has given. Um, And it's the biggest warning any progressive Marxist, anyone who wants to thwart America has ever given. I need you to pay attention to this speech today. If you want to be prepared for what's coming, you have to pay attention to this speech, but in a different way. There are four things that he set up, and I'll go through them first. White supremacy is a plague, and it is the biggest danger. In fact, he said, white supremacists are the most lethal threat to America. How do you define a white supremacist? Anyone who denies that there is some sort of, you know, white uh, indoctrination and... uh, 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 you know, a systematic racism. If you deny those things, you are a racist, a white supremacist. And so that is a threat. Second thing, he's questioning whether our democracy works. He wants it to work. He wants it to work. But he's not sure if it does. Third, China is the threat and the model And they are not waiting around. Four, we have to act now. Or our system doesn't work. Now, let me go through this. First, if you're a white supremacist, you believe in the republic. You believe in uh, the uh, the system of merit that we should be judged not by our skin color, but by the content of our character. You believe in the founding documents. You believe that the amendments are absolute. Those rights are absolute. They come from God, not the government. That is going to be more and more defined as a white supremacist. Um, Now, when he said our democracy doesn't work, You have to understand what he told the uh, press before the speech. CNN reported, and I'm going to quote the president. CNN reported that before uh, before the speech, President Biden got together with a few of the, uh, the elite media and had a conversation with them. This is so Woodrow Wilson. It is it's terrifying to me. You know, 
If you've listened to me for any time, I hate Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson was a racist and a absolute danger to the republic. He's the guy that really started this ball rolling. And it was the final move. The final chess pieces are being put onto the table right now. So he met with the the trusted news sources, and they do that so they can bring them in and so they can explain it to the dumb American people. Now, here's what he said, according to CNN, and I quote, and I really believe because I've spoken with over, I guess, 25, 30 heads of state, including Putin, including President Z. I had a two hour conversation with President Z. <laughs> And I've been convinced for a long time, dot, dot, dot. Look, I doubt whether most of you would agree with me, but I think we're going to look. They're going to write about this point in history, not about any of us here, but about whether democracy can function in the 21st century. What is he saying here? He's saying a lot. I've been convinced for a lot, a long time. Convinced of what? He stops. He never finishes that. Then he says, I doubt w whether most of you would agree with me about what? That they're going to write about this point in history, not about any of us here, but whether or not democracy can function in the 21st century. I would agree with that. Who wouldn't agree with that? The historians are going to look back at this time and say, that's what was being decided. That's not controversial. What's controversial is what he didn't finish. I've been convinced for a long time. He says they're going to write about us, not about us here, but uh, whether or not democracy can function in the 21st century. Then he says, not a joke. Whether autocracy is the answer. They were my discussions and debates that I've had many times that I've met with President Z. Think about it. You know, things are moving so damn rapidly. Things are changing so rapidly in the world, in science and technology and a whole range of other issues that the question is, in a democracy such uh, that such a genius as ours, can you get a consensus in the time frame that can compete with autocracy? This tells you everything you need to know. He and his people do not agree. Neither did Woodrow Wilson. Neither did Mussolini. Neither did Hitler. Neither did Stalin. Neither did the New York Times. Back in the 1930s, this was exactly the conversation. And it started really with Wilson. Science was happening. Things were moving quickly. If we go to war, can we build a war machine fast enough? We need to have an autocracy because they can say everybody make bullets we're going to war so that's centralized and it's directed by the government so you can change on a dime but that's not our system by the way we were never going to be able to catch up with germany in 1941 we were so far away from being prepared for that war, especially against Germany, which had the best planes, the best tanks, the best of everything. By 1944, the American free market kicked its ass. So this is not a new idea. So what is he saying? He is setting up before the speech 
I think we all should question our democracy. Then in the speech, he sets the trap. He's saying people are questioning. He's not saying him. He's saying people are questioning all around the world. Can a democracy work? So that's the framework of the speech. So every time that he said, you'll notice he said it a lot. The world won't wait. We've got to make these changes now. Quoting, I'd like to meet with those who have ideas that are different. I think and that they think are better. I welcome those ideas. But the rest of the world is not waiting for us. I want to be clear. Doing nothing is not an option. We can't be so busy competing with one another that we forget that the competition we have here is the rest of the world to win the 21st century. Then he goes in another time. I've traveled with President Z, blah, blah, blah. It's uh, he's deadly earnest about becoming the most significant, consequential nation in the world. He and others, the autocrats, think democracy can't compete. Then he later says the world is caught up or catching up. They're not waiting. I would say if we are sitting down and putting a bipartisan committee together and we said, okay, we have to now decide what we're going to do in terms of government providing free education. I wonder what we'd think. Well, we wouldn't have that conversation under a republic. It, it, constitutional republic, we, you don't have that conversation. He also started the first 14 minutes. I can't tell you how many times. Go back and watch it if you can. He kept saying that it was the people in that room. You made the difference. You are saving lives. You are the reason we are getting past COVID. You are the reason why our economy is coming back. Not the American people, but Congress. He said over and over again, we have to have the courage to act now. We can't wait. He made it very clear. China is the threat and the possible model if we can't get our crap together. The fourth thing was we have to change and we are competing. So we have to act right now. And I want this to happen, but we got to act right now because the world won't wait. The whole theme of this was crisis and opportunity. That's how he started it. Crisis and opportunity. So let me tell you what's going to happen. Give me one minute break and then I'll come back and tell you how this is a trap and how it's all going to play out in the playbook. There are very few times that I'm on the air and I, I, and I just know. I know it's right. I'm telling you, I know this is right. I know this is right. Please pay attention to this. I'll tell you how it's going to play out here in just a second. Dan lives in New York. Whew. Sorry about that. He's a semi-professional bodybuilder. That's <laughs> so weird, Dan. Me too. Dan's been suffering from shoulder pain for quite a while due to an injury he sustained uh, while lifting weights. I know, brother. Tell me about it. Uh, it was bad enough that he and his doctor were talking about him getting a shoulder replacement. But he kept hearing me talk about relief factor on the radio. Began to wonder if it was possible that that could help him. He wasn't especially hopeful, but the prospect of soldier... Uh, uh, Shoulder replacement really didn't sound very fun. He literally had nothing to lose, everything in the world to gain. So within a couple of weeks after beginning to take it, he said the pain went away. His mobility began to return. Dan got his life back. Dan, I can't tell you how happy I am for you, sincerely. 
I know what it's like. Relief Factor, it's not a drug, but it was developed by doctors. 70% of the people who try Relief Factor go on to order more. You'll know within three weeks. So try their three-week trial pack. If it's not working, don't order it anymore. But if it is, your life will change. Get your life back with relieffactor.com. Call 800-583-84, 800-583-84. It's relieffactor.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Okay, so this is what's happening. I need you to understand the first thing he said was this is a crisis and an opportunity. The opportunity is to change, to transform. He then spent an hour making the case on why we need to transform because the world has changed. All of that is true, but he's not questioning. But people are questioning whether democracy can make it in the 21st century. And so he laid down a challenge. Now, he didn't say it this way, but if you go back and read the speech, you will see it clearly is implied all the way through. What he's saying is our democracy doesn't work because it's too slow. And so we have all of these things. We have the chance right now to heal our country from white supremacy. And all we have to do is pass this bill right now. Put it on my desk. Let me sign it. But do it now. We have the chance to heal uh, our, our wounded economy. But the only way to do it is to pass this $2 trillion bill. And you've got to do it right now because the world's not going to wait. The world is going to pass us. So when these things are slowed down, when these things are, um, are not passing, or they're not passing in a bipartisan fashion, which they will not. Um, and not because they're playing political games, but because these things are dangerous and deadly. It's poison. It's poison. He will then make the case, this doesn't work. That's why we need to have the Supreme Court reformed. If there's any obstacle in slowing these things down, that will be the case. The world will not wait. We're going to be passed. It's too slow. It doesn't work. It's why they will pass the... Remember what he said a few weeks ago. It's all about timing. It's all about timing. So when he says we have to pass uh, you know, the filibuster, he's not there. He's not there. He's still looking at it. He's got some people looking into that. What he's waiting for is something, maybe two or three things not to pass that he says are really important. And when they don't pass because of Republicans, that's when he will go after the filibuster. And he will make the case that democracy, the way we have it, is too slow. Our Constitution is built to slow Washington down. Because they know a fast government can take rights away from people at the blink of an eye. And we know that to be true because of COVID. All of these things that he outlined last night, basically, it's, it's, it's this. Um, if you believe in the republic, you are a threat to the nation. And we will find you and stop you. 
the the implication here is because I'm not a white supremacist. I don't believe in white supremacy. I don't like white supremacists. I don't know any, but I think they're a real danger. Um, but that's not what he's talking about. I wish he were talking about that, but that's not the biggest threat to our democracy. There's there's what? Let's be generous. Five thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand of them. That's the biggest threat our democracy has ever seen. That's ridiculous. You and I both know it. So the implied threat is you get on the bandwagon or you will be hunted by us. Second thing. When we pass these things, it's a trap. You will work for the government. The government will allow you to create a union so you'll have a good paying union job. The government will then direct through a a public private partnership what you're going to be doing. Oh, and by the way, what you're going to be doing is changing every house in America. We're going to go and rebuild those those uh, those bad water lines in 400 schools, and that's going to change the world. Then, as a gift also to the labor unions, our children are going to go to school for two to four more years. That has nothing to do with our kids. That has everything to do with the labor unions and indoctrination. So your kids will be indoctrinated by these by this labor union. You will be working for the government and you will be silenced if you don't agree. And anyone who stands in the way congressionally uh, through the court system, we will take action against it because the world won't wait. We're at a critical point. Well, we are at a critical point. And this is the point we decide whether we are going to be free or not. I would put my I would put my money on the table and never bet against a free America. The entrepreneur and the spirit of America, I would never bet against that, especially against any autocratic rule. It might look bad for a time, but if we are free and the government is out of our way, there is nothing we can't accomplish. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Thomas Massey is coming up in uh, just a second. Ira lives in Virginia. She wrote in about her dog, Shiloh. Uh, She says, the day the trial package came, I put some on my hand and offered it to Shiloh. He licked it clean. Ever since, he's been very anxious about mealtime. When I mix it in his kibble, he stands up and begs for his bowl. He was always a picky eater before, but not anymore. He has more energy, wants to play more often. Rough Greens is such great stuff. Thank you so much. Rough greens, not a dog food, but it's something you put on your dog's food, full of antioxidants, probiotics, all these things. They're going to send you a free bag. You just have to pay for the shipping. You get a free bag just to see if your dog is like Shiloh or like Uno and will eat this. If they eat it, if they like it, I'm telling you, it changes them, not especially picky eaters. They will run to the bowl and they will start to eat their food and you don't have to stand around and watch them or coax them into it. They'll love it. And then month after month, you'll see big changes in your dog. So get the free bag of uh, Rough Greens and just try it out. It's ruffgreens.com slash Beck. Just make sure they'll eat it. 833-GLEN with two N's, 33, or roughgreens.com slash Beck. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go to get your subscription to Blaze TV. Right now, the code Glenn gets you 20 bucks off. 
This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, we want to bring on Thomas Massey. He is uh, the congressman from uh, northern Kentucky. He is somebody who went to MIT, uh, has a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, master's degree in mechanical engineering. Uh, while he was in school, he invented technology that uh, just is is in use everywhere now. He's got like 29 different patents. The guy is really, really brilliant, knows what's on the horizon, knows the threats uh, that uh, losing our place with technology will uh, will cause uh, and watch the speech last night. Thomas Massey, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Glenn. I used to work in artificial and intelligence and virtual reality, and now I'm in Congress working in artificial <laughs> intelligence and virtual reality. It is crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It, it was. It was. It was the most uh, schizophrenic speech I've ever heard. We have systematic racism all throughout our uh, justice system, but the cops, vast majority, are great, and they have nothing to do with it. Wait what uh it's a great country but we've got to change it fundamentally i i mean it was a schizophrenic speech yeah speaking of schizophrenia he blamed china for subsidizing their private companies and being in bed with government yet that's what he's proposing to do with all of right. these programs uh let's start with the virtual reality here it was it was high theater if you looked at the room they had five seats at least between every member. But I fly back and forth from Congress with these members. They sit shoulder to shoulder on the airplanes with everybody else. Right. But the planes are packed right. today. They spend right. more time on the airplane than they did in that room. And you know everybody in that room has either been vaccinated, acquired immunity through infection, or, or Thomas, wearing a freaking mask. Thomas, I, I watched the pre-feed. So I got the network feed. Uh, 45 minutes early. So I'm watching them all come into the room. They're all hugging each other. They're all kissing through the masks. They're standing right next to each other. There was no social distancing until the network started their coverage. Then everybody went to their positions. It was high theater. You're absolutely right. And I've been on the floor. It's not uh, within the rules for me to take a picture but I might have done that. I'm not saying I did, but I might have pictures of Democrats <laughs> hugging each other in large groups on the floor of the House. Meanwhile, Pelosi will sue you if you don't wear a mask. But that, you know, that's the theater. Here, here's another thing, Glenn. Speaking of the schizophrenia, uh, he said 650 billionaires in America saw their net worth increase by more than a trillion dollars during the pandemic. Well, that's what I said was going to happen back at March 27th. Of not this year, but last year when they passed the first $2 trillion bill. And I'm not singling out Joe Biden. I'm singling out everybody in D.C. Mm-hmm. who wouldn't stand up and even vote on the freaking bill. Remember, I was mm-hmm. the guy CNN called the most hated man in Washington, D.C. That's probably the first and last time they ever got a headline right. Uh, and I was hated for <laughs> simply saying we need to vote on it and we need to read the bill. That was the first $2 trillion. We spent $6 trillion. I said these little checks, then I know they're consequential, but they're little in comparison to the amount of money that was spent. That's the cheese in the trap. These these yep. $2 trillion bills are the biggest wealth transfer from, from the middle class to the upper class yep. in the history of mankind. 
And you're not even talking about the six trillion dollars that the Fed has just printed or digitized and given to the banks. Six trillion dollars in the last 12 months. When Biden, you know, he had to go from $10 minimum wage to $15 minimum wage because that's how much they've devalued the dollar in a year. <laughs> so inflation. what was what what was the thing, Thomas, that stuck out to you the most? What is the thing that you think people are missing? What's the clarion call here on this? Well, the biggest thing is he's not a moderate. If you had any hopes of him governing as a moderate, you can disabuse yourself of that notion. He is full, hardcore left. He promoted every one of Nancy Pelosi's bills, which, by the way, were crafted by the most radical left elements of her party that have passed the House of Representatives. They're all, you know them by their number. They're H.R. less than 10, I call them. Right. There's, I never vote for H.R. less than 10. Even when we're in the majority, those are usually pretty bad bills. But there was H.R. 1, which would fundamentally change elections and federalize them, make voter ID virtually impossible to implement. There's H.R. 8, the gun control bill, that all the other H.R. less than 10s, which are so radical. When they pass the House, we say, yeah, they pass the House, but they'll never make it through the Senate. But he's there pounding on the lectern and say, send me these bills, I'll sign them. Folks, he's not, he's not anywhere near moderate, and he's a captive of the radical left within their party. So, Thomas, we did the math yesterday. One thing you didn't hear, and I've always heard this my whole life when you're watching the networks cover these things. They would always say, you know, just on the back of the napkin, what I heard was this president uh, suggested that we would spend an additional $481 billion. Last night, just in the two packages he talked about, not everything else, just in the two packages, that's almost $5 trillion. We have, in the last 12 months, spent and digitized $19 trillion if these two bills pass. $19 trillion in the last 12 months. I'm not as good at math as you are. Uh, when he said, oh, this economy is going to turn around, we are going to have a boom, um, but it's going to be coupled with massive inflation at the same time, is it not? Absolutely. We're, we're on a sugar high right now. He said that the America Rescue Plan, we're already seeing the results of it. And I say, yeah, if you want to see the results of sure. it, go try to buy a sheet of plywood. And you yep. will see the results of the American Rescue Plan. And by the way, yep. while we're talking numbers, $5 trillion is about 20% of GDP. He, Biden bragged that GDP is going to go up 6% this year. Well, if you're spending 20%, if you're throwing out the money and you're spending 20%, is it a miracle that it goes up 6%? No, where'd the other 14% go? Uh, when he was proposing this jobs plan and he said, you know, we've got to build America strong and we're going we're gonna to fix our infrastructure. And he talked about the lead pipes. Okay, fine. Uh, you know, that's, that's bad. We should have, you know, no lead in our water pipes, et cetera, et cetera. But he said, these are good jobs. No, they're not. That is fixing 200 schools and, you know, colleges or whatever he said had the lead pipes and that's that's fixing those uh institutions that's not something that creates wealth or creates new jobs so how how are these jobs now directed by the government going to create new wealth it's not going to then the checks are keeping people at home 
uh, people are which is in turn inside. adding to inflation. That's right. Because we, we can't demand. get people to make things. Used car prices are going up quickly. Uh, and, the, and the jobs he's talking about are tradespeople. You know, uh, I put them yeah. on a higher plane than college graduates, frankly. Yep. But yeah, I do too. Scarce. They're more scarce than college graduates. They're more political yes, science majors, I guarantee it, than there are plumbers and electricians. And these are the kind of jobs that he's, he's talking about. But they're already, if you have that skill, you can go to work tomorrow. Those folks are always in demand. So he's, you know, uh, and what, what passes for infrastructure? I'm on the transportation committee. Okay. I would, you know, this is one of my uh, guilty things as a libertarian-leaning Republican. I actually believe government has a place in building the roads. And so I said, put me on the transportation committee. It's one of the few things we should be spending money on. So I could be for an infrastructure bill. Look, we spend $60 billion, $60 billion a year on roads and bridges at the federal level. Yet we've spent $6 trillion. Like the $60 billion that we've spent is, it's like less than 1% of the money that's gone out the door. But that's about the ratio you're going to get on his infrastructure bill that's coming up. They're calling everything infrastructure. Could you t- change subject? Cause you would be one guy that understands this. Um, Apple is saying that uh, the price of their products are going to go up because of the chip shortage. Uh, Ford just had a record breaking uh, quarter, uh, but now they're saying that they are going to have to reduce the number of cars that they're building because of the chip shortage. What is that caused by, and what does that mean? Well, in my uh, pastime here, or as a hobby, I design electrical circuits. And uh, I can tell you, you know, I used to, I did this 20 years ago, but as a hobby, I'm doing it now. You have two choices when you buy chips now. You can either buy Chinese branded chips made in China, or you can buy American or Japanese branded chips made in China. Like, literally. Wow. We don't have the capacity to it's from chips, like whether it's a it's a, a factory that makes chips or a factory that forges the the castings for our machine tools. There are certain fundamental capabilities that are critical to our economy, but also to our national defense. We just don't have the capability. I have to tell you anymore. This is where that's infrastructure that I would support. Give us, you know, help us build. Uh, the infrastructure to be able to or make it easy by cutting regulations to build the things where we can be independent. This is insanity in a world where chips run everything. We don't make them anymore. We don't make them anymore. Uh, it's scary. And the, and the change in the last 20 or 30 years, you used to be able to buy a chip that was made in a foundry here in the United States, or you could buy one overseas. But the domestic option is not an option anymore. You can buy a domestic brand that's made overseas. Right. But that is it for 99.99% of these chips. Okay, so so tell me, why is this happening? Is this just because of the COVID slowdown in shipping? Is this intentional on China's part? Uh, and what can we do? I don't think it's intentional. I think they had a small slowdown. Uh, you know, Hubei province, Wuhan, that's, that's where a lot of this activity actually is. So they had a small slowdown there. Uh, 
you had a kink in virtually every aspect of our own supply system here in the United States, you know, the chip manufacturers aren't going to keep making chips when you're not making the appliances that use those chips. Correct. So they they slow down. But now we're, you know, the appliance industry here in the United States is doing great. They can't keep up with the demand of refrigerators, dishwashers, washing machines. Part of that's because everybody's staying home. Part of that's because you just put, you know, $1,500 in their hands per family member, $1,400. So demand's going through the roof where it's a sample. It's like when a, um, it's like when a bridge, there's an accident on a bridge and traffic backs up and you realize how reliant you are on that bridge, how everything, you know, on both sides of the Mm -hmm. river shut down. It's the Mm -hmm. same thing with this. This is a wake up call. We, you know, it's like the bridge got temporarily shut down. We'll get over this. There, it's not it, intentional on China's there, part. But what do we do? Is later? There, right. Is there anybody working on it? I'm sorry. I'm up against the network break. Is there right. anybody doing anything about it or that we can do about it? Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. <sighs> okay. Uh, Thomas Massey, I have so much to talk to you. Maybe we'll have you back on because I, I want to talk to you about the future of the Republican Party. So maybe we can invite you to come back on with us. Uh, I appreciate the you spent with us today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your show, Glenn. Thank you so much. You bet. Thomas Massey, uh, Bill O'Reilly is coming up in a second. First, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's My Pillow. If you haven't done it already, here's what you need to do. Mike, Mike Lindell has designed your sleep life. It's great from designing the perfect pillow, the softest sheets, great mattress toppers. Mike has been on a roll. Now he is, I think he's outdone himself. He has come up with my slippers. I wear my slippers all the time, especially when I'm out with my kids. But they have a rubber sole on them, so you can use them inside and outside. They're like moccasins. They're really soft. They've got a gel pack in the bottom of them. Uh, So it's really, really comfortable, both indoor and outdoor. These are a dad's dream. My wife loves her, my slippers. Get my slippers. If you're looking for slippers, she was looking for some slippers, and I don't know, she had like Ugg slippers or something stupid and expensive. And uh, she's she got the my slippers, and she was like, these are great. These are great. She's wearing my slippers. I'm wearing them all the time, much to my children's chagrin. MySlippers.com. Go there now uh, at MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials and use the promo code BECK and receive the uh, offer of, uh, of my slippers at a discounted price, 40% off, one-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. MyPillow.com. Promo code BECK or call 800-966-3117. MyPillow.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mr. Bill O'Reilly is coming up. Last night, in response to Tim Scott's rebuttal, here's NBC's Nicole Wallace. And Operation Warp Speed didn't do anything to get a needle into an arm. So a lot of disinformation. Mm. It felt almost scripted by someone close to the president who wanted that revision of President Trump. Correct. Uh, this is so frustrating. Wow. No, Operation Ward Speed didn't get a needle in an arm. I invite people nothing to do with it. today. Take a moment and go search. And I know I wouldn't normally recommend this, but go search for 60 Minutes and an interview with General Gus Perna. Uh, he is the guy, and this happened during the Trump administration, who was leading the effort for logistics on vaccine distribution. 
Watch that clip, which is like 15 minutes. It's worth it because he goes through the entire thing, how difficult it is, all the backup plans that they have uh, put in place already, all of the, the problems they're predicting and trying to, to, uh, to deal with when the vaccine finally is done. It's an entire logistics plan. We put one of our best generals on it. And here's the thing. What's interesting about it is Gus Perna, the general, running this for the Trump administration. Uh, he's doing all this, and they have no plan whatsoever, we're told by the media. Guess who's still running the logistics operation for the vaccine? General Gus Perna. The same guy. Trump put in charge is still doing it right now. It's like one of the few people they held over. Uh, I think the if I were, I think if I were Donald Trump, my head would have popped last night. Mm. <laughs> Just would have popped. This is the Glenn Beck program.